This episode of The First Three Knocks is brought to you by The Traveling Ambassador. With thousands of design options, The Traveling Ambassador can help design and produce your next commemorative challenge coin for your lodge or district. They also have a great catalog of existing pins on their website, ready to order. Check out their collection at www.thetravelingambassador.com. On today's episode, we're sitting down with our grand chaplain, right worshipful brother, Thomas Haight. You're listening to The First Three Knocks, a Masonic podcast in the District of York, where we discuss topics for the betterment of Masonry. The opinions discussed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not represent the views of Grand Lodge or any other Masonic body. Now, here are your hosts. Well, good evening, brethren. It is, uh, it's not Temple Tuesdays. It is uh, Zoom Wednesday here on the first Zoom three Wednesday. Nine. Zoom Wednesday. Here. Back to Zoom Wednesdays. You got it. <laughs> the lockdown continues in Ontario. Um, I am Worshipful Brother Bertelier, past master of the Rising Sun with? Uh, with uh, your uh, brother, uh, Junior Warden, uh, which is Gino Scovio, also of the Rising Sun out in Aurora, Ontario. And Brother Steve Sprott of Zeradatha Lodge, number 220 in beautiful, historic Uxbridge, Ontario. And Happy New Year, everyone. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Happy New Year. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, uh, right worshipful Brother Thomas Haight, who is our Grand Chaplain from the Grand Lodge of Canada in the province of Ontario, who happens to be living uh, nearby in Aurora, Ontario now. We are, we are blessed to have you here, right worshipful sir. And uh, we're excited to have you on the show. So uh, as mentioned, um, Tom is our grand chaplain of our jurisdiction. He is the past master of Corinthian Lodge number 330 in London, West Ontario. He is currently serving as secretary of that lodge. And uh, for those who have uh, listened to our episodes previously, he's also a member of Templum Lucius Lodge number 747. He is an ordained chaplain and uh, looks like, uh, right, Worshipful Sir, you've, uh, you've been in Freemasonry for about 21 years. So welcome to the first three knocks. Thank you. It's almost like one knock every seven years. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a sec. Let's do the math. Is that what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're Nicely good. Done. Nicely done. <laughs> sir, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the show. Um, I, I alluded to it at the beginning, but um, I understand that you've uh, moved to our jurisdiction here in York Region. So we're, we're quite excited to have you join us. I did. The, um, it's kind of great to be in Aurora. Uh, my wife's a full-time Lutheran pastor, and she took a call at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Richmond Hill at the corner of Major Mac and Bayview. So we were looking for a place that was in 15-minute drive of the church, and we found a spot in Aurora. So it's been really good. I'm not sure how, how welcoming they are since nobody came to welcome us, but our furniture arrived on the 12th of March and they closed the province down on the 13th of March. Uh, I was going to say, uh, well, Tom and I are almost neighbors. We're just uh, a block apart from each other. Just learned that a few moments ago before oh. we started, but uh, Tom, Tom I'm moved. sorry to hear that. <laughs> Thanks. It's a, it's a cross we bear. 
Yeah, he moved right in the in the start of the uh, first wave of the pandemic, and that uh, alone is a challenge there. So, uh, yeah, how did that go for you guys with that move? Well, it was a challenge. Um, I uh, was a bit of a audio visual guy in high school, and of course, in those days, it was inch, inch and a half thick reel to reel videotape. And all of a sudden, I discovered I was taping messages to send out electronically on uh, my SLR camera for a little bit. And with the moving boxes, we said, great, great, well, we'll film you here. And then next week we moved the boxes to get a different view. <laughs> and then uh, eventually the, the weather turned out nice enough. Uh, we're fortunate to back onto the floodplain and conservation area behind our, our unit. So we were walking through the woods and making film uh, communities. Uh, Easter came and, and we were decided we would film the, the message rather than a sermon since it's separate from a service. And we filmed it in the backyard and right on cue, I had the birds sing at just the right spot. <laughs> Incredible. Well, well, well done. Prayer works, apparently. Apparently it works, yes. <laughs> Proof. It's, it was, it's, the uh, it's the magic of Aurora because I remember uh, not knowing uh, when we first moved here seven years ago, uh, it was uh, the day before Canada Day. So we got moved in the day before, you know, got settled in, finally went out to explore and they shut off fireworks. And I thought, what a warm welcome they gave the Scovios, fireworks. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't just for me, so it was all good. <laughs> I, I like to say that I lived in Kitchener beforehand and I moved to Aurora and they canceled Oktoberfest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a wise decision. Yeah. Uh, probably. I haven't really been a, a great... Uh, they wouldn't make money on my beer drinking anymore. <laughs> there, there was a time. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. So um, you, you kind of had this really interesting experience moving to Aurora, Ontario at the pandemic. And uh, I'm assuming you've been home ever since. That'd be uh, fair to say. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, one of my roles today in work is to, I do do weddings and funerals and I will do int interim uh, fill in preaching for different Lutheran churches. Um, with the pandemic, there's been none of that. Mm -hmm. um, so occasionally I get out and I, I get to see the, the town. I, it's a great place, I really must admit. I, geographically, I went to camp in Halliburton, so I got a pretty good idea of, of everything east of Peterborough. And we were in the Ottawa Valley for a while. So, you know, east of Peterborough, 135, 15, that, that hole was really good. And I grew up in St. Thomas, Ontario and raised my kids in London. So everything west of 400 was pretty good. And of course, Muskoka is great. But there's this little section of land between 400. And so I thought, great, I'll be able to go visit lodges, <laughs> not not <laughs> i could travel a lot because gas was cheap but there was nowhere to go um but i have spent a little bit of time driving the highways and byways and back roads of the york region and it's been a wonderful experience well Filled in a few differences i have been to zaradatha lodge oh wow that's haven't been to the right historic first <laughs> I, I had Rising Sun Lodge on the list for a couple of weeks after I moved. <laughs> so right, well, save the best for last. Best for last. <laughs> and, and, and we will get there. 
I, one of the things we both enjoyed has been the farmer's market in Aurora. Oh, yes. Absolutely. It's not a big market, but it's a good little market, and it's a wonderful way to spend a Saturday morning. It's uh, It certainly was one of the things I discovered living in Aurora that I absolutely love and would do faithfully every Saturday morning, take the little one, get some treats, have a breakfast. And that's how I came to learn and uh, find the Rising Sun Lodge. So without that, who knows where uh, Gina would have been within the craft. So again, super awesome town. Glad you're one of the neighbors now. And once we're allowed to get out and mingle, Look forward to uh, meeting you out in uh, the trails as we take a hike together, maybe, or something like that. Single well, malt, single malt scotch. All yeah, right, there done. you go. We have some of that at the lodge, <laughs> and uh, it would be an honor when we are allowed to have you come over and, and see and visit our historic lodge. Probably a little more historic than the one in Uxbridge, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that debate for later. It's um, uh, it's an honor to have you, have you join us uh, in our, our small part of the world. Yeah, it's been... Uh, It'll, it'll be great. Let us be, I just want to touch on scotch. Not that the Grand Master was surprised. But in December, my cask of scotch got bottled in Scotland. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm waiting to find out how much the government's going to take off me when I bring it here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at uh, Sprotty's uh, got something already there going. There we here. go. Yeah. It's not a bad I bottle. I share it, but. Uh... That's yeah, not a bad bottle. The one that I, I had kept bottled or was bottled in December was only 28 years old. Uh, only S- smooth. Only as old as a young 28. Yeah, Speaking exactly. of 20s, you had mentioned uh, a few minutes earlier, just as we started, that you've been in masonry for 21 years. Can you give us some insight as to uh, how you joined? What kind of motivated you to, to get involved with the craft? Well, to be honest, masonry really is running my family on both sides for a long time. I, uh, I, uh, my father was not a mason. Uh, there's a bunch of us in our 60s that the parents, that was just not the cool thing to do. Our, our mothers were burning their bras, etc. <laughs> and so that had to be a co-ed group for my mother, not a single gender male group. Uh, my grandfather was a mason in Malahide Lodge in Elmer, Ontario. My great-grandfather was a mason in the same lodge, and four of my great-grandfathers were members to that lodge going back to 1860s. Uh, So that takes me back a little bit. One of my other, um, in North America now, uh, his daughter married one of my great-great-grandfather's sons and he came to North America in 1760 as a British surgeon on a warship. And uh, he was a Mason when he came. And so that takes my Masonic history in, in North America back to 1760. Wow. I know. And Johnny Incredible. come late. Johnny come lately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one so, of the other things that's quite interesting is my great-great-grandfather was a Mason. And I hold this up. I'm sure you can't read it. But as somebody said to me, that's the that's his book of common prayer. He was an artillery man in the Royal Artillery, and got medals for his work in the Battle of Detroit, Battle of Niagara, Perry de Chien, wow. Battle of Martinique, and the Napoleonic Wars in in Europe. Wow! And this is his 1818 version of the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. Incredible, Incredible. history. Yeah. So that's, that's rich history. I got yeah. a few relatives in the craft. <laughs> there was a bit my, of influence. And my son 
who was supposed to become a member of my lodge, but got three job offers in Alberta before he graduated from university. So his mother lodge is, is Beacon Lodge in Red Deer. Oh. He's now a member of Commercial Lodge in, in uh, Edmonton. And his, uh, his lodge in Edmonton has a, a sister lodge in Oban, Scotland. So he's suggesting that we ditch the partners and just have a father-son trip to Scotland. <laughs> it's not he's been a, well received. He's a wise man to, <laughs> to keep that conversation between you two. <laughs> exactly. So, well, that's I a thought, lot of, and then we'll just have a hoot traveling around Scotland. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a lot of influence in your life around Freemasonry. Was, uh, was it an obvious choice for you to, to join the craft then, or, or was it just, it was preordained, so to speak? Not really. I think one of the things I, I if I were smarter, um, my grandfather, of course, was that age where they took the little books and they would run out behind the woodpile and do their memory work. Um, when I was 19, 20, 21, he would say things like, to be one, you have to ask one. Well, that just flew right over my young head. <laughs> Had I paid attention to that, I probably would have been a Mason in Malahide Lodge, would be my mother lodge. Then along came kids, and I thought, I'm going to wait till the kids are old enough. I don't have to worry about babysitters and getting home at a certain time. I can just let them. So I joined a little later in, in, uh, in life. Uh, but it seemed to be a, 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 a good fit for me. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's funny that you say that because as much as when you joined is, is when it started, I think it started for you and your bloodline years and years and years before that. So, you know, 21 years, but I feel like, uh, again, in your blood, it's been there much longer than that. Did you know that they were Masons when you were younger? Did they share that with you? Like, I know, again, when we talk of different guests on the show, uh, often they say, yeah, I discovered only after I became a Mason, my uncle, my great-grandfather, my grandfather were Masons. Did you know that they were? I knew my grandpa was. Um, and my one of my great-great-great, three greats on that side of the family, actually built the lodge furniture that's still in the lodge room in Malahide Lodge in Elmer. Wow. Um, so that was kind of great. I, I found that the past master's jewel of my great-grandfather, my grandma's dad, was still in the possession. So when I was master, I returned that to Malahide Lodge. Nice. And, and it was a great, I mean, it's things, right? They're, yeah. It's furniture that's still there. It's been resprung a couple of times, but there's something about sitting in a chair that your great, great grandfather made. Yeah. Uh, is, I, I got emotional and I, that surprised me. Yeah. Um, it was, but it was good. It was very, very good to, to do that. Um, some of them have snuck out that I was unaware of, but I knew about quite a few of them. That's and I, and there must be something. I, it, what I realized looking back in my 30s, late 20s, I would shake a man's hand and he would say something that was a hint about being a Mason. So I must have conducted myself. Yeah learn those lessons from grandpa and absorb them accordingly. Um, Cause I, I it, it just, 
Yeah, same thing. Did I know? You no. had indirect uh, Masonic influence, right? Oh, yeah. So it's Absolutely. a natural shit. Exactly. Exactly. That's amazing. Would you say that, uh, I mean, having that emotional moment would be one of your more memorable uh, events that you could uh, say, you know, the craft gave? Or did you have other memorable moments uh, that may not have been related to just your own family? Um, yeah, that would, well, that would be one. Um, one that surprised me. Uh, when I joined the craft, one of my my ultimate goals was to become Worshipful Master of the Lodge. And I accomplished that. And I also have to say, then I got asked to be Grand Chaplain. And I thought, okay, this is a problem with becoming friends with someone that's the Grand Master. <laughs> it's been yeah. all good. <laughs> but another highlight, uh, which kind of surprised me, was becoming the Grand Master at Grand Lodge and having the collar put on the shoulders. And I, I give the Grand the Grand Masters Committee that does this, all the Grand past Grand Masters that participated were friends. Oh, yeah. nice. So I, it was clear to me that when they choose who's going to do which officer, you're friends. Mm. And you're doing the ritual at the front and you have the nice, nice little whisper and a couple of pokes. And it just, it really, I was, yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Who knew? <laughs> right? <laughs> and unlike being DD, where it's one of 80, it was one guy. It, yeah. It, um, so, yeah, being Grand Chaplain's been a wonderful, I had some great experiences in the last year. Um, even in shutdown, I've had some good experiences. Yeah, maybe you could share a little bit of of that perspective with our audience. Uh, obviously, here in Ontario, we've we've been shut down. Uh, Freemasonry technically has been um, shut down. It looks like till May of this year currently. But how has that impacted your work at Grand Lodge, and and how do you how do you see that um, moving forward? Well, the work keeps going. It's gone online. Um, it uh, uh, surprisingly, right as we shut down, I was just, I was getting ready to start my first of many visitations for district divine services, and I had one scheduled for the twenty second of March. <laughs> that didn't happen. No. <laughs> I, one of my my good friends, Gary Atkinson, a past Grand Master, was right on the ball. I don't think I'd been Grand Chaplain more than five minutes than I got a, an email saying, we'd like you to come to Sarnia. Um, so I missed that part. And I'm not sure how that's going to play out as we move back into Lodge. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I want to correct you a bit, Bert, because I'll tell you, Lodge hasn't closed. Mm. Uh, our lodge buildings have closed. Our meeting in person to celebrate what we do is closed. But lodge hasn't closed. Being a mason never stops. Um, I, I liken it to, uh, to a military mess dinner. Uh, one of my other friends, Eric Marshall, is going to speak at my mother lodge in London. And he's got to talk about Joseph Brandt. And, and I played silly bugger with the militia for a little bit. 
And I said, you go to a mess dinner and they're great and the uniforms are beautiful, but what we're really celebrating is what we do in the field. And when we go to lodge once a month, we celebrate what we're doing in our daily lives. So masonry is never closed. I discovered there's been a greater call, for instance, this year on our benevolence funds, uh, whether that's in my mother lodge or another lodge or just helping people out. Uh, there's been a greater call on that. Uh, I really enjoyed being semi-retired. So I enjoyed going to lots of Masonic education stuff. I went to one meeting at seven in the morning because the speaker was from New Zealand. And I thought I could use a drink. And Sri said from India, it's five o'clock in Mumbai. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Except two drinks at seven in the morning just writes the rest of the day off. <laughs> They're mimosas. So I, had, <laughs> I, I had coffee. <laughs> so one of the things that Masonry's done for me is to realize how large it is around the globe. We, we talk about Masonry spread over the habitable surface of the globe. And boy, when you go to these Masonic meetings and you have 295 members on, on the call, it's just stunning to see where people are coming from. Mm -hmm. I'm delighted that an evening call in Britain or Europe tends to be 11 o'clock, one o'clock midday for me, as opposed to the fellows that getting in on, on the, the Zoom call at four or five in the morning. It's, it's a, that part's been wonderful. Um, ongoing conversation with the Grand Master, et cetera. Um, we've come to a conclusion on the question of the three questions. I want to thank my predecessor, Piri, which I thought, thank you very much when he brought that up. But that's been a good piece of work, and I'm, I'm glad to where we've wound up with that. Again, to our listeners who wouldn't understand what that means or what you're referring to, let's, uh, let's hear your, uh, your piece on it there. So as, as we all know, when we come to Masonry in Ontario, our, our, our parent Grand Lodge, if you will, or Root Grand Lodge is ugly, the Reunited Grand Lodge of England. Um, and we have had three questions in the work and I'll just read them here. At the initiation, we sent out a, a, a past master usually to ask these questions. Do you believe in the existence of Supreme Being? Do you believe that Supreme Being will punish vice and reward virtue? And do you believe that Supreme Being has revealed his will to man? So I was charged by the Grand Master to create a task force to take a look at these and see what we could do about them. One of the things that has changed, of course, is 150 years ago, every Mason was a Christian. That can't be said today, and frankly, I'm glad that's not true today. Um, we've still been hung up on making sure we meet the Christian dogma. But we're Masons. We don't have dogma in Masonry. So we need to free ourselves from that. The task force reported back and we really said, number one question, do you believe in a supreme being is, is a very important question and should not be removed. It in essence is one of the things that separates us from being a service club, that we have a spiritual aspect to our work and that we put that front and center and right in the middle of what we do. So that stays. Um, we're taking out freeborn or free by birth. 
you could have a lot of people that will potentially not be free from birth, but have come here from other countries as refugees. And technically, you might find that for political reasons, they got imprisoned at one point. So we took that out. Um, so now we will just say by being a man of mature age and under the tongue a good report. And then at the door, we just say, pass, man of good report. We're, so we're taking the freeborn part out. Surprisingly, freeborn was one of the big issues around uh, Prince Hall Masonry and why we have Prince Hall Masonry. Because uh, if you were born or part of a slave stock in the US, you were always considered ineligible to join Masonry because you never got over that. If your grandfather was a slave, you were ineligible because you weren't free by birth or your great grandfather. So that's always been a bit of a problem. We don't really see it where we are, um, but it is a, that's been removed. So that's, that's a good idea. We're also reminding people that we talked in the ritual about the Abrahamic traditions. Um, and we had the line uh, about not, not just, um, past management, bring up the ritual lion stories. Only the sentence reads, not refusing to offer up his son, Isaac. Well, Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael is the root of our Islamic brothers and sisters but they're also part of the same route. So the specific deals, details will come out in the new book of the work when it gets printed and questions two and three will disappear. Interesting. Very interesting, yeah. Um, again, we say to a man, you have to have a faith in God. So for me as a Christian, I believe in God. And for me, that's, Trinitarian formula. I grew up Anglican. I'm living in the world of Lutherans. It's Trinitarian formula. But for my brother who's Hindu or is Islamic or Jewish, it's a different, different understanding. So we can't say, do you believe in, a, in, a, in God? And then turn around and say, this is the God you must believe in because we're not dogmatic. A lot of us have been good Christians over this time, but we're not we're not in Lodge dogmatic, which is one of my great bugbears as I travel around reminding district chaplains that we don't invoke the Trinity when we say a benediction or grace. We invoke the great architect of the universe. We don't end it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I do that in church. I don't do that in Lodge. You see that happen quite often? Like yeah. from your experience. The, the problem is it trips out a guy's mouths without even thinking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the problem is that it can be offensive to some of our members. And the Grand Master has really come to understand that we live in a multicultural society. Those of us mm -hmm. who live in Aurora, as I say to some of my friends, we had done some ministry in the Ottawa Valley. Within five minutes of house by where I live, I can eat around the globe. I mean, it's it's literally. I get great Thai, great Chinese. Oh, I yeah. get great Italian. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I yep. get it all. And, <laughs> <laughs> and when I go grocery shopping, I can get any type of food I 
I want. So I, I, personally, I love the ethnic and diverse mm -hmm. background that, that we have in Canada. And I, I'm glad we're embracing it. So yeah. I'm well said. I'm, and that's so that's the three questions. Any questions about the three questions? <laughs> uh, you, you said when it's uh, going to be published in the book, the work, what's the timing on that? It'll come out next year. Next year. It'll be in the process or some other things at the. Uh... Call from Mark W. Yes. You have a call from Mark. <laughs> Mark, I'll call you back. back. I, I'm on, I'm being interviewed. Bye. Not by the police. <laughs> Should have made that clear. Yeah, let me finish this police interview and we'll... Uh... Yeah. No, that wasn't Constable Ferguson. <laughs> that was my master trying to make sure I didn't say anything wrong. <laughs> um, so where were we? Three oh, we're just talking about pub yeah. publishing the uh, book, The Work. Yeah, new ones coming out. So one of the things that has happened uh, that I'm aware, I'm not aware of all the details, but uh, this uh, period of laying fallow for a little bit has allowed us to take a look at some of those questions that often don't get really well thought about because we're so busy going to lodge meetings. Right. Um, same thing, two things, good, good things about Zoom meetings, podcasts, et cetera. Uh, I don't have to drive anywhere. Yeah. The bad thing is I don't have to drive anywhere because I've come to realize how much I enjoy the drive home with a friend when I've been visiting. Yeah. And, and that comfortable conversation helps me decompress. Mm. Whereas I can be doing one meeting. And as I said, I, I, I work with a group of a group of fellows from Kitchener and it's called the Romeos. They're not Masons which stands for right retired old men eating out. <laughs> oh, we got to write that one down. That's a good I, one. I'm the youngster in that crowd. Um, <laughs> You're the rookie. Yeah. But I'll push a button and leave that meeting and push another button and I'll be at a, at a meeting run out of the Grand Lodge of Georgia. And yeah. it's taken half a second to, to, to move. It is pretty spectacular, isn't it? In in that work that you did on the three questions, did you um, consult other jurisdictions as you pondered th those questions? Or was it purely within the jurisdiction that you did that work? Uh, we read other jurisdictions, what they do. Um, we're now more closely aligned with what BC Yukon does. Okay. But we tried not to go too far down other jurisdictions because we have to make a decision for who we are and where sure. we are and where we live. Um, not sit there and say, golly, gee, they do it this way in this jurisdiction. And let's sure. follow that. Um, I listen to a lot of people. Some of them I really listen to and listen to and listen to. <laughs> It's Steve nice. Sprott, isn't it? He's the one. Yeah. <laughs> the mayor of Uxbridge. Yeah, quite likely. Um, <laughs> so, so it's, um, yeah, it was a great exercise in chatting. And we didn't, I didn't do the big town hall meetings because uh, one of the things I'd found out about a town hall meeting, mostly coming from church work, it's everybody gets in their high horse and touts their particular view. 
Again, I, I don't want to hear the Roman Catholic view and the Anglican view and the Lutheran view and the because we're not doing dogma. We're not doing church work. Yeah. We're doing spiritual work. And one of the things I have realized in when my younger mace, the youngest mason I sponsored most recently was 21. And my lodge in London now has a, a progressive line, the seven chairs leading up to a master. And the average age is 33. Oh, wow. So I go to lodge and I feel old. (laughs) (laughs) And then I go as a grand chaplain, I go to lodge and I feel young. You get the best of both worlds. (laughs) Yeah. And what what I find in the younger members, they really want a spiritual growth. Mm. Uh, They're a product, um, surprisingly, many of them are the mice children's age now young 30s and they're a product of a group of group of parents that said i'll let them make their own decision when they get older and of course you have no no basis to make that decision when you get older so they're looking for some spiritual direction Uh, and they're really interested in that Um, the other thing they're looking for is role models for men because a lot of them grew up with single parents mm. and the father was left the house and was, was absent. So they're looking for a guy that's, that's willing to spend a bit of time with him. As I say, my grandfather was a fisherman. He used up all the fishing luck in the family. Bloody Mason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he, um, he, uh, he was a fisherman, and, and that was the type of thing he did. You know, you go out with a man and you go fishing. You might even catch a fish. Um, you go down to the basement, and dad, and you'd make sawdust, as I say. Um, a lot of things that we would do, and, and men were absent for a lot of these young men because of the divorce rate. So they're looking for good role models and men. Not replacement fathers just good role models mm-hmm. to, to live a better life. That's a really interesting perspective, uh, right, Worshipful Sir. The, what is your view on those two contrasts that you just shared in terms of uh, older individuals have had spirituality almost impressed upon them versus younger men having no basis for that decision. How, how, do, how do you see that as, as being beneficial or not on both sides? I think, it's, I think it's at the core of what we do. And for me, masonry is a great structure for every man to discover who he really is several layers deeper than he thinks. Um, we have a lot of older masons God, I'm getting in that category, who want to tell a young Mason, this is what you've got to know. And what we need to do is let the young Mason, the new Mason, grow and fall and pick himself up and grow and fall and pick himself up. The structure of Masonry is such that we can help each man do his own work. What I needed to learn and what Gino needs to learn and Steve and Bert needs to learn is different from each other. But we can do our individual work within the framework of masonry and our fellow brothers and become better men. And that we have to 
instead of taking light at the idea that we make good men better, we need to say, we really do make good men better. And that's the structure of what we do. Well said. Extremely well said. Yeah. Very, uh, very insightful. Thank you for that perspective. Maybe changing gears a little bit. Um, it, you've had a, a pretty vast Masonic experience, obviously kind of marrying your, your, um, uh, your work together with, with Freemasonry. Um, who's had the biggest influence on you in your Masonic career? Well, I'd like to say the great architect of the universe, mm. which would be true. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the friends, I'm not going to say the greatest, but I truly have enjoyed being friends with the Grand Master. Um, we were moving to Kitchener, and I knew the Grand Master before, but we were going to be moving to Kitchener, and, and right before we moved, my wife decided to have a heart attack. Um, uh, and the Grand Master says, well, I'll take you on as a GP, because we needed a GP when we moved. So we got to know each other and that's just been a pleasure. Um, I enjoy getting to know really all the grand masters I've, I've gotten to know. Um, big influence. One of the biggest influences in my mother lodge, both my, my sponsors have passed away. And, uh, but I've taken under my, under his wing, by a fellow I didn't know, West Botham. And in London West, West Botham, if he could stood in the West or stood in the East and gave the final charge in an installation, him just standing there was the charge. And you knew it. When we celebrated him being 50 years of past DDGM, we had 400 people out for the night. Oh, wow. Just keep moving in. Just keep moving in. <laughs> <laughs> Wes loved education and I liked education. And so Wes uh, was older, not driving at night. So off we would drive together and do a little bit of education here and there. And he took me under his wing. He was a, it's a great guy. Another since passed away. Another fellow was Don Watson, who's still with us in a nursing home now. And Don was master of my lodge, Mother Lodge, in 1968. I was too young to be a Mason then. Um, but Don said to me, he was the guy that would say, in my year, we did this, and this is what I learned. And I had, a, and that I could hear as a master. I had other people who would say, this is what you do. Mm and tell me what to do, not let me share what I, what I learned when I was master. Interesting change. Of... Yeah, and, and I think it's very similar to, I'm not sure whether I learned it from Don or Wes, but I, I remember when my son was 14 and all sons just love their fathers at, at that age, never have an argument with them at all. <laughs> And we were having one of our father-son arguments. And finally, I said, Peter, you can listen to your father and learn from all the mistakes I've made. 
And then you can go out and make your own and you'll be smarter than I am. Silence prevailed. <laughs> and two days later, Peter came back and says, Dad, I checked with all my friends. That's not the way this conversation is supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I got to remember this. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you, it's true because we like to pass upon along to our children the lessons we learned. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're too directive and we need to say, here's what I learned. You know, I learned that if you speed, you get tickets. Not that I've <laughs> ever gotten one. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, we need to have a way to say to people, this is what I learned. And we also need to realize that each generation is different than the previous one. One of the books I got at Christmas that my wife bought me was a book that Barack Obama wrote. And he's a great writer. I mean, you can see he's a lawyer, but he's a, he's, he's a great writer. And Otis Moss Jr., and I know his son, Otis Moss III, great Baptist preacher in the States, and he said to Barack Obama right before he was accept the uh, nomination to be the first black candidate to be president of the United States, he, uh, they were chatting and said, Barack, Otis said, Barack, I was the Moses generation. I walked Edmund Pettus Bridge. I was a foot soldier. I wasn't Martin Luther King Jr. I wasn't uh, the representative but I was the Moses generation and I can tell you what it was like to be Moses generation. As you approach getting the nomination, Brock, you are the Joshua generation. I can tell you what I learned, but I can't be your generation. And I want to remind our brothers that we can tell our younger brothers what we learned, but they're another generation of Masons. And sometimes it makes you scratch your head God, they're great. Yeah. They're just wonderful. So that's some good, uh, I guess, uh, perspective on sharing with some of our older, more senior members as to, you know, let the little guys or let the newer guys learn. But what would you, what, what advice would you give to a brand new Mason? Um, how, how would you, I guess, say that to them? Go visit. Go visit. Grab an old guy and go visit. Perfect. Absolutely, go visit and visit outside of your district. Uh, I moved to. It's kind of funny. I, I I told him I'd probably tell a story. I moved to Kitchener, and I thought, okay, I meet the first and third Tuesday in London. Great, I'll get more active back in in London. And Grand River Lodge meets the second and fourth Tuesday. So that great one night a month. All, just one <laughs> night would be all the Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so I met a young man who became a, an EA, Eric Kipling. And it turns out Eric says, I, you know, I was chatting to him after his EA degree. And, and he says, oh, I'm, you know, what do you do? I'm a mechanic. And that's fine. And we chatted a bit more and he says, well, is, you know, Kitchener water through your hometown? He says, no, it's St. Thomas. I said, oh, that's my hometown. Different era. Um, he says, I'd like to go visit. 
I said, oh, great, let's go. So this is June. So we went in September. And like all newly minted EAs, he said, well, what, what, what about the board of trial? Uh, shouldn't I be practicing up on the questions? And I said, don't worry about it. I'll vouch for you. And he says, well, you know anybody? So the first six guys through the door says, hi, Tom, good to see you. <laughs> and then the new DD, Terry Ronald, was putting on his regalia. And Eric looks over at right worshipful brother Ronald. And he says, I got to say hello. I says, why? Well, well, who is he? He didn't. And Eric still wasn't quite aware of DDs and all that blue aprons and stuff. And he says, that was the teacher that kept me on the straight and narrow in high school. <laughs> so he goes over and says, Mr. Ronald. And, and Terry says, Eric, you're, you're my brother now. You can call me Terry. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so over the, over the period of time, uh, Eric and another friend of his from Grand River Lodge and in the Kitchener, we traveled a lot. And the advantage is when you're driving home, you get that comfortable conversation you can have in a car. There's no ritual, no one's looking at you, nobody's whispering what you're doing wrong on the sidelines, and you get to mentor and encourage. And that also allows me as an older Mason to be encouraged by the young fellows. Um, so that's been a really good, and there were three of us, and then somebody said to me, that Eric and Chris said, people want to know why, why, you, why you travel with us. And I said, well, the answer is pretty good. You said yes. <laughs> I, I invited and you said yes. Good enough. It's that easy. <laughs> um, so we, did, we had a whale of a good time. We'd been to Niagara number two. I took my son to Niagara to number two right before we closed down. He was out visiting from Edmonton. And that was kind of fun because one of the guys introduced everybody formally, visitors. One of the guys was so proud he was going to get the furthest traveled from Midland, Ontario. <laughs> three minutes later. Nice. <laughs> and you scooped it from him. <laughs> His son says, Peter hate Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. But one of the keys to masonry is travel. And that's where you talk about in the informal way what we celebrate in the formal method inside the lodge room. Mm. Um, and then have a little bit of fun. Uh, my my, my uh, senior warden, I have a sense of humor. And I got this piece of work given to me by a friend from St. Thomas, who was another teacher at Arthur Bowden, Eric's school. And it was called the Working Tools of a Traveling Mason, which were the bottle jack, the, the CAA card, and the cell phone. And Doug West, who was senior warden that year, was a good friend of mine. And so I, Doug came to visit when the senior wardens came to visit. And I got my senior warden in the, in the uh, I put all the senior wardens in the East. And uh, Doug played Vanna White to my uh, Pat Sajak, I guess. And we gave him the working tools. So you can do a little bit of fun and find the meeting there. Um, another good friend of mine, who was on his third round of going through and he's now a past dd ryan howard when he finished his second year because we had a glitch in the rotation um 
I presented him with a set of barbecue tools and said these were the working tools of a retired DDGM. <laughs> a fork to poke a pompous person, a flipper to turn every issue over and over and over. <laughs> and tongs to pull a hot coal out of a situation. So I have a little bit of, a little bit of fun to, to relate what we do more deeply to who we are. Uh, that's great, great advice. Uh, right, worshipful sir, and I mean, obviously, being part of Grand Lodge this year, particularly, a lot of challenge uh, in terms of of getting together. How how do you see the condition of masonry uh, from your unique perspective, uh, given where you are today? It's great. It's great because we're we can't. I, uh, for instance, I can't go back. I don't have a past grand chaplain that's living that says. In my year when we had a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're all equal. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're all trying to figure this out. Um, so to me, it's been a wonderful opportunity to look at things differently and not just follow the same old pattern over and over and over again. We have been forced to confront how we do things differently. I've got a lot of Zoom minutes under my belt. God, have I got a lot of Zoom minutes under my belt. I'm worried about the COVID-19 under my belt. Uh, I'm going to have to do more walking. Um, but it's, the meetings are different. Um, there's three of us that run the Temple and Luchas education events, which I encourage you all to attend. Um, and that's, that's great. It's formal. It's been a lot of fun. My mother lodge, we meet on our regular lodge nights. First Tuesday is our regular meeting. Third Tuesday is our emergent meeting. And our fourth Tuesday is our GP. So we have been regularly holding Zoom meetings on those nights and doing Masonic education. Uh, sometimes it's taped, sometimes it's live, sometimes they even get the grand chaplain to speak. Um, so that, that's been very good. And the GP meetings are closed. That's just us because you always need a place to air your dirty laundry without somebody, you know, hearing that you're imperfect. Um, but as I say, I, I just can't say back in my day and my master who phoned in the midst of this call, you know, <laughs> back in my day when we had a pandemic, well, we didn't have a pandemic. Yeah, yeah there's um, no, no normal. History shows us that we'll be stronger coming out of this. Mm -hmm. um, history shows us that in crisis, when people feel lonely, they want to find connection. So history will tell us whether it's the Spanish flu, World War I, World War II, whether it's the War of 1812. I got history in Masonry. People <laughs> will come out of this and we will be stronger. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know my mother lodge in London, um, Templum Luchus is a, is a unique beast as an observant lodge. Um, my mother lodge in London, as I pointed out to the senior warden, when you go back in the chair, I need to let you know that the first meeting we have, this is to the master and the senior warden, 
we have a backlog of 27 degrees. <laughs> Good luck. How's your ritual work coming along? <laughs> and that's not including the four applications I know that are coming in. Yeah, it'll be an exciting time, won't it? Um, to, uh, jump in again. It's great. It truly is wonderful to do to do the degree work. It's also allowed us to have one-on-one -on -one conversations mm -hmm. with each other to encourage one another. And I've done a lot of that. Uh, some of the older members who are single, um, they need a call. Some of the younger members who are struggling with, with kids need a call. Sometimes you just want another brother to just let her all rip. You know, yep. it's just, yeah. God, I'm ready to tear my hair out. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of, there are some older, single, you know, without another person in the house. And they, they need a call. So I encourage people to call them. Don't make it a big, heavy agenda. Yes. Just make it a call. Yeah, just mm -hmm. check it in, see how you're doing. Um, one of my, couple of my friends says, well, Tom, I'm not a member of your lodge. And I said, oh, Earl, I'm the grand chaplain. You're a member of my, my <laughs> jurisdiction. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess you are. <laughs> so just, just to give a phone call mm -hmm. or a quick email or um, Zoom one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. people think Zoom's got to be big meetings. They, they don't have to be. Um, you know, it's well said because, again, what this has done to us is actually, um, you know, if you are new in the craft, you visited now through online Zoom and whatnot. And I've seen some lodges, uh, because we're not doing any business or uh, anything really that gives away our secrets to our ritual, even inviting friends who are not Masons just to kind of see what, uh, you know, the big picture is. And applications have been coming in as a result of just sharing I guess the whole camaraderie of brotherhood um, and whatnot. And so I, I have to agree with you. I think that we're gonna come out of this much stronger, that we're gonna have men who were hesitant to inquire before, they've had a taste of it now and are a little bit more adapt to trying to you know, ask the, the question, can I be a Mason <laughs> and, and go forward with it. And so again, it's been refreshing to see because we really didn't know where things were gonna go. Um, what this is going to do. Is it going to really put a damper on the craft and we're going to lose members or are we going to see a surge when we get out of this? And so far I can say safely from what my experiences have been is I think we're going to see a surge come out of this. And, uh, and the guys who may have not been as active for whatever life threw at them for whatever purpose, they've been more active now. Um, we've been always a good lodge at Rising Sun and been in touch with each other, but we talk almost daily through different groups and groups that we've created in addition to now doing some more stuff. And I am just so blessed to have that uh, to lean on. Like you said, I'm guys who will make those calls to do some check-ins. And every once in a while, I'm quite that I'll get the check-in with a, a brother calling me just to say, hey, you, you, how are you doing? A reward, you know, out of the blue, especially with so much difficulty we seem to be facing is to just have that grand extended phone or a text message saying, hey, I'm thinking about you today. And so, yeah. again, it's just part of the whole 
the whole craft, which I adore and can't wait to get back to. Nothing beats in person, but if this is the, the wave ridden thus far, then, you know, it's so far so good. And, and if you're young, healthy, and we're in the red zone or yellow zone again, go have a socially dis. You know, don't lean in and don't, again, it's funny, as I say, it's, oh, I'm just thinking Grand Lodge and hospitals. That would be a <laughs> spreader, super spreader event. Super spreader event, yeah. Um, but go out, you know, and phone a yeah. friend, have a coffee. Um, one of the movies I liked was Good Winting. And one of the lines in it is, well, let's go out and have some caramels. It's the same as going out for a beer or going out for a coffee. It's the subjective yep. issue, right? What we're really saying is yeah, let's, let's just get meet. together. Absolutely. To meet online, say hello to one another when you see them in the grocery Absolutely. store. Um, uh, it's, it's just, it's such a good, good thing. I, my own lodge in London, I discovered last night that my senior wardens, uh, his wife had a stroke at 45. Wow. And she now has COVID-19. And her mom died the same day she found that out. The difficulty. Guys are having a rougher time than we yeah. are. Yeah. Um, we have um, we have fellows who need a little assistance because they've been off work. Yeah. I know my lodge has spent over somewhere around $2,000 in benevolence. In many years, we never touched the benevolence account. But, but now we're spending it because there's the needs there. And that's what it's there for, right? Yeah. Well, that is a, an, an amazing perspective, uh, Tom, for you to share with us. We, we thank you for coming on the show. Um, we learned a lot tonight and, and we're better for it. So, so thank you for investing time with us in the first three knocks this evening. No, it's a pleasure, my brothers. It's always a pleasure to be with a group of guys. And that's a pleasure sometimes just to be with a smaller group. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks for taking that time. And uh, just uh, before we close out the show, I always just do a quick uh, sponsor shout out. But before we do that, uh, I just want to put a little dedication to this particular uh, show tonight. Um, we uh, we uh, discovered this morning that uh, we had another brother succumb to the Grand Lodge above, and that was Right Worshipful Brother Bob Butler of the Rising Sun Lodge. Um, 50 years I've passed DDGM out in the Sudbury area, I believe as well. Uh, probably 52 years now, I think, from the last time we celebrated that. And uh, he's ever going to be in our hearts and with us when we get back to labors and, and everything. So uh, we dedicate this particular show to you. And with that said, our uh, sponsor of the show tonight is our lapel uh, pin sponsor out of Wisconsin. Uh, that's Brother Jeremy Mathis, who is in Wakeshaw Lodge number 37. Brother, we uh, graciously thank you for all your support and your sponsorship. Uh, without uh, guys like yourselves, uh, you know, it's hard to make uh, the things possible that we do. So again, th thank you for that. And to all our listeners, as we always say, travel safe. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The First Three Knocks. Happy to meet, sorry to part, happy to meet again.